0: Asking for it. Subscribe now. This is a CBC Podcast.
1: You're listening to Alone, a love story. And I'm Michelle Parisi. Chapter 1. Not if. How. Loss. So, here I am, on the edge of 39, petulant, drunk, and obsessed with a charming but frustrating man in a white shirt and perfect jeans. I'm taking my one millionth fancy cocktail and stumbling down a hallway to go see a tarot card reader. My friends all rolled their eyes, but I like the idea of someone telling me who I am and what my path is based on randomly turned up cards, because seriously? Fucked if I know these days.
0: To the, the man with the
1: white shirt is mingling so excellently and effortlessly with my friends. His smile, and those dark eyes, and that body, and those jeans God, it hurts to look at him too long. He's so handsome, I can hardly stand it sometimes. And whenever he's around, everything softens in me. Usually, tonight... I'm all edges. I'm being a bit rude to him, even. I'll tell you why later. Stick with me. Right now, I'm stumbling down the hallway to see the tarot card reader. She's like 25, max, and drinking a gigantic glass of red wine. She locks the door, and it's quiet and all fortune tellery in this closet we're in. I'm drinking my strong, fancy French cocktail as she shuffles the cards, and I'm thinking, this is going to be such bullshit. And then she turns over the first card. Loss. It says, loss. What the fuck? More cards come, and it's like they're shouting at me. Fear. Futility. They may as well say, your husband cheated on you. Now you think no one can love you. You used to know exactly who you were, she says. You were stable, confident. But now you have a veil of uncertainty over you. That's because you're being tested to help you figure out how you say yes to things and how you say no. Whoa, how I say yes to things how I say no. Not if. How. It's as if she's telling me I have choices, some control over my life. I know that probably seems obvious to you, but right now, in this year, in this bar, this is news. This bullshit card reading has suddenly become really fucking real.
0: I feel like
1: I could Return to my friends and try to be cheerful. White shirt is there to greet me, all gorgeous and sweet. He's searching my eyes for a sign, but I just say, it was fun, she said freaky things. Inside I think, fuck, why can't this real thing he says he feels for me be real enough? I wake up the next morning in his bed. My head bashed in by booze I don't even know the name of. My veins filled with lead instead of blood. Hung over. Massively. It's my 39th birthday. I look at White Shirt as he lies sleeping, and I already feel far away. How did I get here? I used to be married, for God's sake. What happened to my life? To love? I wonder this all the time now. Y2K It's 1999. I'm 24 years old and living an artsy city girl's life. I work all day in public radio and spend my free time in used bookstores and going to see bands. It's a long Every Wednesday night, you'll find me and my friends here in this divy bar. They all drink and party and stay in school forever, but not me. I don't really drink. I'm not being pious. I just love to experience life, and I feel like I'd be missing out if I put a filter on it. I also, with every part of me, love love. I mean, I love it. Being in love, and falling in love, and writing about love, and singing about it, and living it. I've had one boyfriend after another since I was 15 years old. All long committed relationships. I haven't slept in a bed alone in years. Relationships are everything to me. I just love to get lost in another person. To learn everything about what interests them, to see what they see and feel what they feel. And that's how it is with my boyfriend right now. We've been together since I was 19. He's a musician, and four years older than me, and so intelligent and mystical that probably out of youth or just abject insecurity, I defer to him on just about everything. I think he's so much better than me. He's read every book, He knows every song. He's knowledgeable on all subjects, every topic imaginable. He's an atheist and a passionate altruist. He's a vegetarian, so of course now I am too. He's a devoted boyfriend, a real partner. We're honest and expressive and artistically inspired by one another. We have matching tattoos because it's the 90s. It's been a perfect, symbiotic relationship. We say we'll be together forever. But lately, things are different. The musician's been talking about us having an open relationship. Like, open, open. He thinks we're mature enough and secure enough to handle sleeping with other people while still maintaining our committed bond. I'm less sure. A big part of me feels like true love doesn't want to be shared. But that seems old-fashioned. So I start to entertain the thought. Could I really do something like that? The only guy I find even remotely interesting is this weird, brooding graduate student. A friend of a friend who always seems to be around, but doesn't exactly fit in. He's completely different than all the other downtown artsy guys I know. A small town boy, a scientist, here in the big city doing his master's degree. We've never really talked, but I find him kind of cute. He's tall, with awful glasses, and the worst long hair. But there's something about him. I kind of like that he gives zero fucks about what anyone thinks of him. The scientist drinks three pints of beer to every regular guy's one. He whistles to get the waitress's attention, which we all find mortifying. He sits with us, but doesn't really talk to anybody. He hasn't seen the latest Lars von Trier film. I don't even think he reads books. You can tell he thinks we're all a bunch of big city snobs, which of course we totally are. But he likes top 40 music and watches... The musician can't stand him. I, on the other hand, have been completely awakened from my elitist stupor by his very presence. On this Wednesday in the bar, the musician is holding court as he always does, or on some political issue or another with everyone's rapt attention. Bored, I look across the table and find the scientist just staring at me. His arched eyebrow tells me he thinks my boyfriend is a blowhard, and he knows deep down, I agree. And so I smirk at him, and he smirks back. And this is all it takes for us to fall in love. And it's that knowing smirk we will share for the next 13 years. On our wedding day, at crowded parties when other blowhards speak, in the middle of huge arguments or during sex, when any of our parents speak at any time about anything, and several times in the delivery room when he stays awake with me for 40 hours straight until our daughter is born. It's the same knowing smirk we still share today long after the divorce. All I can call it is true love. There's no more truth than that look between
0: us. Hi, I'm Caitlin Prest, and I am here in your ear to tell you about a very incredible new show called Asking For It. Asking For It is a darkly comedic series that follows a queer femme singer whose history of violence finds her no matter how many times she runs away. It has an original soundtrack, and it'll make you laugh, cry, and feel a little bit less alone. Asking for it. Subscribe now.
1: But back to 1999. Things are escalating between us. We find ways to sit beside each other or walk together or run into each other. He stares at me across the bar, and I feel it before I even turn around. There's an electrical current that's been switched on. He's wild and wounded, and it's this sad complexity that draws me to him, a thing that I think I can somehow fix. On this night in the bar, after the smirks, I leave the table and go down into the basement. Just as I'm about to go into one of the washrooms, a hand grabs my hand. The scientist is behind me. He doesn't say a word. He kisses me so hard, and his body is so physically strong, the breath gets literally knocked out of me. It's the best kiss I've ever had. In fact, the kiss is better than any sex I'd ever had. Then he turns and leaves without a word. It was so aggressive and unexpected. The musician is so Mr. Sensitive, I'm a Feminist guy. And this is just the complete opposite. From this moment on, we begin an intense relationship. Something moves in this air It's too much to wear The musician... Cannot understand why I would pick the scientist of all people. I mean, it was his idea to be open, and now he doesn't like that I've chosen this football-watching, beer-drinking guy in cargo pants. But it's too late. I'm done. Hooked. I'm less and less interested in the musician and the life we've built together. I'm tired of our shabby apartment, our vegetarianism, our bohemian lifestyle. The scientist has plans, goals, and eats meat for Christ's sake. He's driven and focused, and I'm enthralled by the contrast. And I free you. We fall in love with each other hard and fast, writing long emails back and forth all day, every day. Me from my ninth floor office downtown and him in his lab at the university uptown. We're obsessed with each other. By the end of December, I'm moving out of the apartment I share with the musician. On the day before Christmas Eve, the scientist and I meet at a bakery. And he gives me a gift, all of our emails printed and bound in a book. He's made two copies, one for each of us. He calls it our book. He says he loves me. He says he'll wait for me. His dark eyes are so shiny as he holds my hand and says, I don't want to share you with anyone." When I get back to the apartment, the musician isn't there. I look around at all the boxes and think, only a few more days. I sit on the floor with our book. On the cover is a drawing the scientist has done in pencil, a face with a tree for a body. When I close my eyes, he is all I see. 13 years later. We're in a restaurant with our daughter, Birdie, having our weekly family dinner. We've been separated for 11 months. Out of the blue, he says, I was just reading our book, all the emails back and forth. It's like he's put a fist through my chest. There's no way I'd be able to read it yet. There's no way I'd expect him to reread it, not now or ever. "'Did it make you sad to read it?' I ask. "'Yeah,' he says, "'but a little happy, too.' We smirk at one another, but I want to jump across the table and shake him. I also want to crawl into his arms and feel his skin against mine. I want to kiss the nape of his neck and also punch him in his stupid face.' It's complicated to love someone who betrayed you, okay? Afterward, as he walks me and Bertie back to my apartment, he puts his arm around me. For the first time in almost a year, we walk like that, his giant parka and mine all bunched together. We stop outside my building. He kisses my forehead and says, I love you. This is how we are now. This is who we are, together, alone. listening to Alone, a love story. It's a CBC original podcast written by me, Michelle Parisi. The story editor is Veronica Simmons. Alone is mixed and produced by me and Veronica in our hometown of Toronto. Our theme music is by Yehenda. Explore more at cbc.ca slash alone. It's my digital scrapbook with art, videos, music, music, and the story behind the story I'm telling. Stick with me. I'm going to tell you about how the first flush of love felt like a hurricane, and how I ignored the distant early warning signs. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.